Hi there, I'm Shane Stacks of the Shane Plays Geek Talk podcast, and you're listening to Save for Half, where we save for half, half as well as we should like, and we save for half less than half as often as we deserve. Now that you've cast out the evil sorcerer and taken his treasures and searched his colon for gems, it's time for you to kick back and listen to the Safe a Half Sideshow. The Save for Half Sideshow, where it's all fun and games until somebody takes a four-sider to the eye. And welcome one and all to the Save for Half podcast christmas summer special <laughs> christmas in july with, with me dm corbett and dm lou alu hey great being on here man this is uh this is exciting i've listened to you guys for so long and uh mama i made it i'm on standing in for dm jim is an empty chair standing in for dm liz is an empty chair and standing in for dm mike is of course an empty chair i put on deodorant today guys come on <laughs> It's coming up on con season and Kickstarter season and the grading season. So <laughs> apparently other than rabbit season, <laughs> it is all happening and everybody's busy. I in- invited Lou Alu on because I wanted to talk to him about his game coming up for North Texas Con and a little bit about some of the other games he's worked with and done stuff for. You know, to give you a little background on Lou Alu, his actual name is Martin Gates uh, in the <laughs> Witness Protection Program. Oh, wait, I wasn't supposed to read that part. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, Lou Alu is a teacher uh, on purpose. <laughs> no. There's kind of there's no going back. Once you got the uh, the degree and the license, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of stuck there unless you have some extra funds. But I don't regret any of it. I've enjoyed my... Uh, <laughs> Uh, what is it like 24 years of teaching teachers are great and it's always awesome when you run into a teacher who really actually enjoys teaching yeah. it can be pretty repetitive so i know it's a, t- a trying uh, position for sure well thank you but you've actually integrated a lot of your gaming into teaching so that's kind of cool too yeah, yeah we, uh, from what i've heard <laughs> uh, in, in the classroom i've tried to make some uh, review games and uh, do some activities that like you know are like simulations of things i don't know, like in science class you have like the uh you know, predatory prey cycles and, and, and how the populations change on that. And at any rate, it's, it's been fun because you get to kind of bring your hobby uh, into work. Who doesn't want to do that? Oh, yeah. No, it totally makes it great. And learning is fun. I think we all learned that from Sesame Street. So <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so, okay. Te- North Texas Con is coming up. So start, let me start with the meat because this is actually the reason I, I invited you on is because a few months back I saw a very grayed out kind of sketch of a B-movie style art piece about 
the game you're planning on running at North Texas Con, and, and you even said, I'm planning on running a B-movie type game. It's it's going to be a new game, right? You're actually making it, because I presume the art's not just random. Sort of, yes. <laughs> so uh, so here's, here's the spiel. Currently, I, I run a small publishing company called uh, Dandelion Games. Back in the early 2000s, uh, I had a different small publishing company called Wholesome Entertainment. Back then, this was when pod publishing, print on demand, when that was just starting to be a thing. Right. And there wasn't drive through RPG and there wasn't Kickstarter. Uh, long story short, it was uh, it was three really grueling years of putting out content and not making any money, really, uh, but making people uh, have fun and, and enjoy it. Got a lot of compliments on the games I was making, but just could never sustain the costs of, of producing them. This game, this B-movie game that's called Movies Till Dawn, it was the last product that I was trying to prepare. And it got to the point of some, like a free demo copy that you could download. And it had some quirks in it that I was still working out before I went to like the full-blown, you know, pay for version. But at that point, I had to kind of pull the plug. The, the IRS was saying, hey, what you've got's a hobby, not a business. Because <laughs> I wasn't making scratch. And what, so, they make the rules? <laughs> hey, what's, what's up with that? Come on. I, I, it's my money. I can lose it if I want. Come on. At any rate, and then, you know, flash forward to, uh, you know, the present time, about 2015-ish, the, the scenes just totally changed, right? I mean, if you oh, yeah. if you love games and you have an idea, there is nothing, nothing at all holding you back from making that a reality. I mean, unless something crazy happens, like Wizards of the Coast pulling a license, <laughs> which that would never happen. Yeah, we, That's it, preposterous. It, that, hey, it says right in there that it's perpetual, right? Uh, I know. Uh, I, was, I was thinking about that tonight. On one of my products, the Dare Luck Club, I offer a free license. Anybody that wants to write a Dare Luck Club item, all they simply have to do is, is tell me they're writing it. Let me give it a quick review and a thumbs up to make sure it doesn't have anything super offensive in it. You know, it's a, a PG-13 kind of ordeal. Oh, yeah. And then they can do with it what they want. They can make whatever money they want off of it. But I was trying to think of a way to, to like say that, you know, because I was like, well, a perpetual license. But it's like, well, that doesn't mean what it used to, you know, <laughs> uh, eternal, <laughs> eternal license. You know, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. I I'm sorry to bring that up. That's some some bittersweet stuff. Oh, there. But, man. Uh, anyway, so many 2015. people racked by that. Anyhow, yeah. So 2015, um, the scenes changed and I, I start to uh, kind of comes back to, to the uh, Save or Die podcast. I was listening to them while going through kind of a rough spot in my life where my, my mother had passed away in a, in a pretty bad accident in front of my children. And, oh. uh, I was, she, my dad passed away a long time ago. He, uh, he had had this farm that she didn't want to give up. So here I am suddenly I've, I've inherited this farm that I got to get ready to sell. And the house is full of like, all, I mean, my whole family, we're all collectors and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. so there's lots of stuff to go through. And anyhow, so I was listening to you guys and that got me into listening to the other stuff. Cause that was kind of my vicarious gaming uh, during that time when I couldn't actually get to the table on a regular basis. Yeah. And uh, that's when I kind of, started hearing things and realizing that, you know, the scene has changed. There's this Kickstarter thing. There's the drive-through RPG where you can just sign up and, and with giving them a small percentage, you can sell things directly, you know, PDFs. And at any rate, as mm -hmm. soon as I get things settled here with the estate, I, I'm going back into it and uh, producing games again. So, so I, I took my dad's ranch name. That's he had, he was a goat farmer. <laughs> if, if you can believe that one. And his ranch name was dandelion goats. So. Hey, greatest of all time. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> so dandelion games is, is the new business and uh, business has been doing pretty good. Uh, it's, it's, it's hanging in there and it's paying for itself. So, so I'm all smiles, man. 
That's um, the dream. <laughs> you know, they come in full circle. Well, Dare Luck Club has been doing really good. It, so. it has. It's uh, here lately, especially. I've been super happy with it. And, and we've done some stuff uh, for Goodman Games as a third-party publisher that's done really well. I got some OSE stuff coming out. But Movies Till Dawn, it, it, I had that like kind of demo version, at you know, alpha, beta, whatever you would call it version. There were some things that needed torqued or torqued. Oh, no, that's a dance in it. Tweaked. Tweaked is what I did to it. I torqued a little. You but can twerk it if you anyway. want, whatever you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> These are the things you can expect at North Texas from Lou Alou is twerking. He's twerking. definitely twerking the game. <laughs> oh, man. I think people have just canceled their tickets for my game. Um <laughs> It's okay. Nobody's listening when they heard Liz wasn't on the show, so we're fine. (laughs) Um, So anyhow, reworking that game, uh, this gives me a chance to go back, do some uh, further development on that. So yeah, uh, that'll give me time to to redo the book, uh, change up the rules like I've kind of molded them to and and get some of this art in. So I've got this great artist. I've got several great artists, but the one that did the cover there, personal favorite of mine, uh, Santiago Ibora. Uh, he's done a lot of work for me uh, over the last couple of years, and uh, he's he's just a wonderful guy. And, and uh, it's fun getting art, but like sometimes you and the artist both have a different vision, and that's cool. You know, it, sometimes it inspires you to do something different anyhow. But with him and me, like whatever I have pictured in my mind, I don't know how, but somehow he always gets it exactly like I had pictured in my mind. And uh, and he's just, uh, he's knocking that cover just out of the park. It's really cool. Let's take a quick pod break and we'll be right back talking with Lou Lou about Movies Till Dawn. What do you get when a fantasy gaming horror sci-fi geek and an army veteran history nerd want to do a comic book related podcast? Why? You get the Weird Warriors podcast, of course. Weird War Tales was a 124 issue DC comic book series published from 1971 to 1983. Along the way, we'll sidetrack on to an occasional special mission where we discuss an issue of a like themed comic book from a different title or publisher. There are also the rare Road Warriors episodes where we report on comic related road trips like or visiting the homes and grave sites of comic greats. We'll nitpick what the comics creative team got wrong and crawl about what they got right. We'll also break down the facts behind the fiction in the stories, which is sometimes quite weird in its own right. Even the letters page and our favorite ads can't escape our judgment just as we can't escape yours in our own dead letter office mailbag. Torpedo-eating dinosaurs. Haunted chateaus. Time-traveling rats. Zombie robots. Day-walking vampires. Gargoyle armies. And that's just in the first 20 Weird War Tales episodes. So, report for duty with the Weird Warriors podcast with Max and Rich, where we promise to make war no more. Pennsylvania Special Track 10, Pittsburgh, Akron, Cleveland, Chicago, and all points west. All aboard! Well, Mary, I got the last two seats on the 545. Now we can visit your brother over the holidays. Have you got a match, mister? Sure, soldier. Say, you look blue. I am blue. My buddy and I got Christmas furloughs. Last chance to get home for a long time, and now there's no room on the train. Well, what train are you going to take? 545. Look, come over to the ticket window. I've got two seats on that train, and they're yours. I'm not the man who keeps a soldier from getting home this Christmas. Listen, America, trains and buses are swamped with servicemen and supplies. Is your trip necessary? Be an American. 
Stay home yourself and help our soldiers and sailors get home for Christmas. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Lint. Yes, when searching for something loose and fuzzy with which to fill their navels, more people choose Lint than any other type of foreign matter. And lint is great for collecting at the bottom of your pocket or purse. So when you're looking for something to stuff in your belly button, take our hint. Go with lint. And we're back. So what would be your influences for Movies Till Dawn? For the listeners that, that haven't heard anything about it, so your character is a hack actor or actress. Okay, you're one of these, you're like, maybe you were a child star, maybe you were an MMA fighter that decided to try out Hollywood, whatever. You're, you're a B-movie film actor or actress. Your character has different abilities just as a base character, and they kind of fall into the departments of like melodrama, action sequences, and agency, which is like your ability to affect things on the like behind the scenes side of things. Oh, okay. So it's a meta game. Yes, it as is. As far because... as like actually meta game. <laughs> <laughs> so then the adventures are the movies, right? Uh, so you 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 get hired into a movie. And then based on some certain characteristics, similar to sort of like experience points kind of thing, your building actually is what it's called in this game. You get to pick out which character in the movie you're going to play, what, which character your actor or actress is playing, if that makes sense. So there's kind of two levels there. The Most of the adventures, the the characters are made to be kind of like unisex. You've got like Jessica or Jesse, you know, and, and that might be the lead hero or heroine, or maybe that's the uh, romantic interest or the villain or sidekick or whatever. Um, so you get to pick first who you're going to play in that particular movie. And then that character that you're playing modifies your actor's ability because, you know, if you're going to be the action star of the movie, it's going to buff up the kinds of things you can do for those the physical actions and stuff, you know, like the stunts and whatnot. So your, your stats will affect the film. Yeah. Or they could affect the way the movie goes. Exactly, yeah. And then they have to hire a stunt double who looks nothing like you, <laughs> which would be funny. <laughs> or yeah. the Bella Lugosi rolling around with a rubber octopus. This water is effing cold. <laughs> I love that scene in Ed Wood, man. Cracks me I up. know. That's a great one. So does budget actually come into play in the game? No. Or it, is, it, that, it is it secondary? The, the, the B-movie side of things is just that like all the adventures are just terribly lame ideas. The, the, the one that we're testing at North Texas is called It Bites. And it's a uh, it's a zompire movie. It's like a cross between zombies and vampire. It's, uh, it's just got all the cliches and uh, it's, but um, some other movies that uh, I've have in in development. We've got trapped in the gas mines of Uranus. <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, Team America saves the world or no that. I got that one. I, I can't remember what the title of that one is, but it's like a superhero movie that's just really super lame. <laughs> and, and there's a bunch of others. That's where the B-movie side comes from, is that the adventures are meant to be just your your standard, anywhere from the 50s to uh, 80s cheap poor movies, that kind of stuff. Just fun stuff. Could you, um, okay, not to derail, I'm kind of curious, because there was, a, there was a game I really liked by Cheap Ass Games. It sounds similar to what you are describing in okay. a vague way. It's much more of a board game, but it's the idea is you're an actor and you're running from movie set to movie oh, really? set and jumping into the scene. So it's like, now you're in a Western, now you're in a space thing, now you're in something else and you have to do, you have to beat a role. It's really simple. Okay. It's, it's called Deadwood in case you're ever, and this is not a like, oh, you have ripped this off. Like, no, nah, it's different. But I was like, would, it, would you be able to be in like multiple movies at the same time telling the same story? Um, but redone is something else. Or like now we're on the Western set, but it's actually the sci-fi set. So you when they're could traveling back you in could time. do like a time travel movie, or you could like obviously as you play the game, each adventure is a different movie. So one adventure you could be in the West playing a character out of that 
you know, scenario. And then the next one, you might be a sci-fi character, you know, all the time still being that main actor or actress that you created. You can even do like remakes. Okay. Like, this is the remake of the movie that we did, you know, two years ago, which is awesome, you know, budgetarily for the DM because you're just buying, you know, you buy one movie, you can play it a couple times, just switching people's roles or, or, or changing up some things about it. It's the sequel because <laughs> now there's twice as many bad guys. <laughs> A lot of the mechanics in it, like there's a, um, one of the mechanics is the uh, stock footage mechanic. So you're, you're making plays. It's a, uh, that's the other thing. It's a card based game. You're, you're playing with a deck of cards. Clubs are used for physical actions. Hearts are used for melodrama that can like change the plot points of the story and stuff. Spades are special effects that can alter both of those. And uh, diamonds are agency where you're doing things behind the scene to like, you know, maybe you're, uh, you, you snuck some shellfish into the craft's food services and got the other person sick, you know, they're allergic or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you get the role. But, uh, so <laughs> one of the mechanics is this um, stock footage thing where if you don't have the cards in your hand to play anything that makes any sense, each role has some stock footage you can throw in that's just wild and crazy stuff uh you know this stock footage uh is a you know picture of a lion roaring in the jungle you know it cuts from this too and then you get to fill in the blank and, and you know maybe you can find a clever way to work that into the plot of the movie or whatever no that sounds awesome but uh yeah that so that one is still in development i'm hoping the first time through when we were developing it i, I didn't know if this had video or not but what you're hearing there is a uh, tin film can that it's going to be packaged in so the little journal-sized book goes in this big tin here with uh, with a deck of cards and and some little extras. Each round, you're making money as an actor based on like who had the best rolls for the round, or not rolls, but uh, card plays for the round. And uh, the uh, the money has uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as president on it. They're like thousand dollar bills. That's kind of fun. <laughs> That's gonna be fun. I, I'm presuming you have oh, all the sure. props ready and yeah, ready no, to no, go. No, for we still got three I'm weeks, hoping. man. I'll get that okay. like you know the Tuesday before I drive down. <laughs> No, most of it is really dumb. But... <laughs> uh, dumb stuff, and and I, I I'm a big prop fan. I always love yeah. throwing. Well, it props changes the table too, man. It just animates so many people fun. to have something there to physically look at or touch. Mm-hmm. That's what dice are all about. <laughs> you never get enough dice. Okay, so Derelict Club, you yeah. got you you got your big at least as far as I am aware, you got your big start with Derelict Club, right? Or did you have something before that? Uh, I mean, so, you've been obviously making games for a long yeah, time. Yeah, well, so. and so that's the thing. And, and forgive me, audience, if you've heard me on other programs. But so when I was growing up, you had the Satanic Panic, and initially right. my parents didn't want me to get D and D, and uh, we we had some model railroad stuff, so we were always in the hobby stores, always seeing D and D. Time and time again, dad, let, let me get this thing has a dragon on it. Let's get this. No, no, I've heard bad things, you know. So I had to make my own games and I and I made what I thought were role-playing games based on what I thought a role-playing game was. And that really got me okay. started. I mean, I, I probably made five different games between the age of, uh, say, eight and 16. But eventually a friend of mine who my parents really respected, his parents, he got to play D&D. And so I got to play D&D, yada, yada. So yeah, I, I've, I've got a lot of games. The initial one, the first one I actually published for real for sale was a Victorian era game called Century's Edge. It was just kind of like a straight Victorian uh, novel kind of thing. It, it was sort of a ripoff of uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, only, you know, you could play just a straight up normal, you know, adventure in the Victorian era. You didn't have to play like, you know, I don't know, Dracula or whoever. Right. But yeah, the, the second time around, 
uh, I led things off with the Dare Luck Club as, as the, uh, I guess you could say, like flagship product. No, that's, that's an awesome product. So don't feel bad. I know everybody uh, probably compares it to, um, was it Kids on, Kids bikes, on bikes, I think? Oh, yeah. You're, and, which you're, is a clever name. me here, man. Come on. Ouch. Come on. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I've, I've read Kids on Bikes and I've, I have not, I can say this, I've not fully read Dare Luck Club. I've kind of flipped through it because we are. And this is a secret, so don't tell anybody. And since it's just me and you on the show and nobody else is listening at this point, we're fine. (laughs) We're we're planning on reviewing the Derelict Club in the future. Um, Liz picked it out, so it's very exciting. And we're all looking forward to it. Awesome. I appreciate it. But I know kids on bikes is a lot more generic. I mean, okay, I know it's about your your kid and you're getting exploring into stuff, but Mm. it's very, like, it could almost be anything. Yeah. And it seems like the Derelict Club kind of focuses on that I want to say 80s. It does. Kids. Yeah. Getting into like explorers comes to mind. Oh yeah, um, one of my faves, one of my all-time faves. I, I'm so I'm glad that there's another human being that appreciates that movie. I made my kids watch that. They were like, <laughs> "Why are we watching this?" Because it's awesome. And then by the end, they were like, "This is awesome." <laughs> <laughs> but we had seen Goonies. Goonies is up there. I mean, there's so many kid movies in the 80s. Like kids don't like, just wander off and do whatever. You're yeah. fine, kids. We'll see you in eight hours. Just be back for supper. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What'd you do today? Fight pirates. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. And uh, Dare Luck Club looks like it focuses on that kind of feel, but could you play anything? First off, just make sure people know that I started writing this just prior to that accident I was talking about. So this would would have been like 2014-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no knowledge of anything else. I didn't even know Stranger Things. I, you know, that was still a year, year and a half out from when I... Yeah. And then I kind of put it on a shelf dealing with that stuff and came back to it. Still unaware that there were already two other games because... Uh, uh, what's the other one? The um, Tales from the Loop was oh, also oh, yeah. out there. And those are great games. No shade to those. They, they do what they do and they do it well. It's, but it is a different thing than what I'm trying to do. Dare Luck Club doesn't have to take place in the 70s and 80s, but a lot of the flavor that's in it, that's that's recommended, like uh, some of the setting materials and stuff, mm-hmm. definitely lean towards that. And a lot of the adventures just flat out steal notes from those kind of things. Like there's one of the first adventures uh, that we published was... And they come out in these trilogies called the uh, Triple Dog Dares. So you have like one map and three different adventures on on that map. Mm-hmm. So one of the first ones that came out was the Grendelbach Gremlins, which is like this house that's being overrun by these evil fake creatures, these red hats. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's totally a ripoff of Gremlins, obviously. Oh, yeah. Or maybe it's not Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> but, uh, it, uh, you know, and we just, all of them have something like that in them where you can read it and go, oh, he's trying to get at this kind of feel or movie or whatever. And it, they just play different. They're, they're more, I want to say that one of the strengths of Kids on Bikes is that it, it has some very serious pieces to it. Mm-hmm. You, you got some melodrama with like, uh, emotional attachments to people and stuff like that. And it's, it, it can have some very serious moments. That's You're not going to find that in Dare Luck. <laughs> it, it's all goofiness. It's all fun. It's all imaginative kid adventures, very much in line with like the Goonies and ex- the Explorers. and uh... Actually, you know, Christmas Story, also a very good kid's adventure, but people don't realize it. It's like, I oh, know it's a Christmas show. I'm like, eh, it is, but it's a kid show. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's a it's, real kid show dealing with real kid things well and there's so many I, I have like a my own appendix in in the back of this book because there's so many things like that that you don't realize are really an adolescent adventure movie you know or that you maybe forgot about like like witch mountain a lot oh, of people yeah. forgot about yeah, that yeah. series but yeah you can do about anything with it. it it's it's meant to be flexible like that right out of the box without much tweaking it, it plays a lot like the goonies where it's it's a pseudo serious setting 
but there's some stuff that's just a little bit fantastical. But there are things in it where you could do, like if you wanted to do kids with superpowers or whatever, there's some options that you can put into it like that. And if you want to do real zany, cartoony stuff, like Scooby-Doo kind of stuff, you could go that route as well. Mm. I, I guess the linchpin on that is like one of the mechanics uh, in the game, instead of hit points, you have these things called oomph and uh, brains. Or not, uh, or I'm sorry, marbles. Oof and marbles. And when you run out of oof and when you run out of marbles, you don't necessarily die. You're just like out of the action for that scene. So with that element, you know, you can use that to do something where it's like more like, oh, you slipped on a banana pill and you're down versus, you know, if you wanted to go more serious, oh, you know, you just got your leg broke and you're going to have to go to the hospital. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally doable. I mean, I can see it. And that's what makes, I gotta admit, it makes more more of a lighthearted kind of fun game as opposed to the more serious. So we're fighting a blood sucking demon, which there's (laughs) nothing wrong with. Yeah. But it definitely has a different feel thinking back to the the way that the 80s kids movies were you just got kids went out and did you just go wander around and jump your bike off of whatever ramp you find or or crawl (laughs) through whatever tunnel you find or just wander around and eventually something will find you for sure yeah i mean there's there's an abandoned something out there somewhere for you to go explore you know oh yeah Go, go down to the the the, the waterfront or the collection ditch and, and you know, hunt for frogs or uh, there's just, yeah, every, every corner has some adventure behind it. Back then you would really get into some dangerous stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but, you know, I remember going over to complete strangers houses, you know, just biking up, you know, about a mile away from my house, there was a, a subdivision mm-hmm. and uh, just biking through there. And I, you know, see somebody that I knew and they're like, Hey, you want to come over and, you know, go hang out in their house. My parents had no idea where I was. Who I was oh yeah. You're just riding around the block, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're and you're running around with your buddies, and you have walkie talkies, and you're like jibber jabbering back and forth, and yeah. And and we had all read the art of karate, so I mean, we were practically black belts, right? I mean, one hundred percent. Especially if you looked at the cover long enough, then you get the focus. <laughs> Getting that position that the guy was in. Yeah, then I know. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I mentioned in the book, uh, in the vehicle section, there's a, a plane in there. And I put a, a quib in there about how, like, you know, we got flight simulator for a Commodore 64. And by the time we could take off and land on that, I mean, I thought I was flight certified, man. I was like, you know, <laughs> show me the airplane. I got this. I got this. You can totally do it. <laughs> yeah. talking even with, I was even talking with my mom because I've been teaching my kids how to drive right now. Mm-hmm. Dangerous time in life. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, me and my mom pretty much grew up the same way because i i grew up on my my parents little ranch and we had a big back area and an old beat up pickup truck and like go learn to drive <laughs> you just go do it and she did the same thing just like go out and learn to drive in the back backwoods driving a pickup and you'll be fine just shift the yeah. gear and you'll get around like see it supper <laughs> <laughs> for that world again i mean it had a lot of bad things there were a lot of things i'm glad do not exist uh, anymore from the the 70s and 80s but but there are certain things i long for and i I guess that's maybe why I built this game, you know, mm-hmm. take some of that back. No, totally. And to, to, to be, I guess, I guess this is definitely the ultimate nostalgia game to be young again, right? 
Yeah. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, my kid might like this game and, you know, I got to be salesman. So I'm like, sure. Yeah, they'd love it. You know, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, nah, it's not really for them. They're not going to, kids don't want to be kids. They want the power fantasy, but, but it's, uh, you know, people that you throw this in front of your gaming group of 30, 40, 50 year olds, whatever, you'll be surprised how entertaining it can be to ham it up as a kid again, you know? Well, but it sounds like you're going to capture the same energy with a uh, movie still done. I hope. Oh, I hope. And it sounds like you've got the, the same kind of chemistry idea going on and you're the same guy running it so i presume that's going to happen <laughs> we'll see you'll have to you have to ask liz how it went uh, after north texas here oh yeah that's right that's right liz and mike and liz are signed up for your game so they will judge you and then we're going to review <laughs> your game and judge you again oh man i i remember uh, when liz said that it might be a possibility because she was asking if uh, if i had a text file for mike oh. uh, which is something i never ever thought of producing games about keeping your original text files but but that's another story but anyhow you know i'm looking at it i'm going oh man these these are like some of my favorite people and, and they're gonna be talking about my game and oh you know you see just all the blemishes right you forget about all the great stuff and i was like oh man there's there's like a one one edition of uh, one of the adventure modules where i literally wrote serial killer with a c now i know better right i'm a teacher i freaking know better i don't know how it got past me you know but these you know these books at this point now that's starting to get traction i can hopefully go back and, and get an editor on some of them but coming out of the gate i just i had to make a choice between art or editing and uh, being a teacher and being cocky i was like oh i got this i can edit my own books you know even though everybody knows you can't but but at any rate, so I was just so like, oh, man. Yeah, I'm sure Jim will have words about that. <laughs> and rightly so. You know, you, you got to own your mistakes as well as your victories. And, and there are definitely things I think the book does uh, really well, but but editing is not one of them. It's it's for as many words are there. I think I did a pretty good job. But uh, I hate but, to tell you this, but serial killer with a C, I would I would just roll with it. Like, all right, <laughs> he uses serial. <laughs> yeah, man. Come on. I was being creative. It's an artistic thing. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times we've diverged in a serial talk on the show. <laughs> it's uh, it's always pretty fun. You gotta love the toy prizes. Come on. Yeah, like what's with serial companies now? Why don't they do that anymore? Like, I, I just don't get it. That was so exciting. Mm, build Getting a rocket. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or or even read a comic book. They used to give you a whole comic book at one point. I mean, just yeah. whatever it was, it throw it in there and you were like digging for that. You're eating that cereal religiously, whether you liked it or not, because <laughs> you knew that toy was coming. Oh, that, and that, that was the best, like three proofs of purchase and, you know, $1.99 uh, shipping or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I remember there's like some action figure or something in Lucky Charms, I think it was. Mm. Uh, you know, I ate at least three boxes of that crap. <laughs> no, that's pretty good. But anyhow, uh, I ate three boxes, probably got diabetes from it. I don't know. I have to see the doctor. But uh, sent away, and this this action figure was literally, uh, God's honest truth, literally like an inch and a half tall. <laughs> I was like, what's this? It came in an envelope. I was expecting a box. What is this? <laughs> oh, man, that is that is awesome. You know, I will say, uh, thinking about the budget for your sh Movies Till Dawn show, mm -hmm. you should really consider, and I, I know you're too close to, to, to like change anything, but you should really consider putting in a budget because budgets change a lot of things. I ran, have you seen Cartoon Action Hour, the game? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. What is that? That's by, uh, what is her name? She's awesome. Yeah. Um, I love Celeste <laughs> something. Celeste Miller, maybe? Oh, yeah. But yeah, but no, I, awesome game. I came up with a fun way to to mess with it. Before I started Gagman, I was running the game at the time, and we were all kind of playing it up. But we, we ran Cartoon Action Hour, but I did it as, um, okay, we're going to make a toy, 
and we're going to market it and we're going to sell the game is going to be based on the show and the show is going to be based on the budget and we had a budget for I had to put in a budget for the toys and the amount of articulation and parts and coloration and everything <laughs> and the amount uh, they put into what the toys could do in you know how that relates back to the show budget and there was like this overall budget so at first they split it up into like two or three parts oh and it had a writers we got the I divided it up into three parts. We had the essentially the builders of the toy, the writers of the show, and the actual playing of the game, which is the show. So the writers <laughs> keep like cutting budgets and throwing stuff, and it messes with the show. And you go back to the the toy makers, and they're like, "Well, we can't afford this. We're going to cut out our points of articulation." I think it was funny. They really loved the bad guy, so they kept like making him more articulate. He was like four thousand points of articulation, moving <laughs> snakes, light up eyes, all this stuff, and I figured out points for all of it. But all the heroes were like monochromatic one uh, point of articulation, like the waist. <laughs> and they were like joinable robots. So that was it. <laughs> Just like all joined together to make one big mega robot. Oh, and it man. was such a bad, bad game. But it was so fun because of that. Have you ever heard uh, why Snake Eyes is, is solid black in the original version? I'm, I'm presuming because it was cheaper. <laughs> well, so yeah, so like, I guess they had a budget for paint, right? And they, all the different, other figures had like their like belts painted and their faces painted and their beards a different color. And they ran out of all their paint budget with like the four other figures from that wave. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? And I'm just make him black. <laughs> He's all black. <laughs> and he ends up being the favorite. Just the sheer thought of players playing the actors and going, oh, well, we're going to cut your character because we can't afford you on the budget. So what if we got <laughs> rid of the big monster? Like, well, Then we don't have a big monster. It's like, we'll get a sock <laughs> puppet. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it, what it has that's kind of like that is like i said you're playing with decks of cards mm -hmm. and you have so many reels as the director so you have so many times you can reshuffle that deck and play it again uh. so you might for like a particular section of the movie you might only have one reel or two but but yeah the budget that that, that is an interesting thought is like uh, what could you do with that it's your game i just like that was one funny thing that I, as a it's toy still in the oven it can we can we can pull it out and change uh, some uh, things for whole uh almost a whole year now well, so. it worked really great for the cartoon action hour because the game worked fine for the mechanics perfect game it's really good mm -hmm. just to sell but another you game have that whole other game of the budgeting of it but yeah. putting in the budgeting and change and put in extra splices because we'd go back to the writer's room and like wait a minute he can't be so-and-so's father because that's not right like what if we put a commercial here and it didn't matter? Okay. <laughs> that up the budget because we added a commercial. <laughs> Can we market? And everything became a marketing ploy because they realized they could market in the show. <laughs> like suddenly these robots had to have cereal breaks. <laughs> Running out of energy must get tricks cereal. So, I mean, we, we, we laughed up every little cornball bit, but it was funny. And it, it worked well because, I mean, we you know what those those shows were like in the 80s. You, yeah. Like, wow, this seems like a toy commercial, but I want those toys <laughs> so bad. Can't look away. <laughs> oh, man. It's the other catch-all of that living in that time. It, it gets you. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I'm sure the way you've got it going, it sounds really good. And I do love, I love card play in a game. It really gives you a lot more control. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it was interesting working with that. It's, you know, um, 
when I've done other games and, and you go to do the um, probability of things, it's a lot simpler with dice most of the time. But you get into cards and you get into the four suits, you know, four of each type, 52 cards, and, and that gets to be some complex math that, that maybe a middle school teacher can't really handle so well. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's fun. It's not a big, big deal, but I, I just know as a personal note, because I really like card mechanics, uh, because they can they can add more storytelling elements to the game. Because you, as a player, get to choose what you're using, and you can decide where you're going to put these things in. Like, oh, no, I don't mm-hmm. want to use this yet. I want to save that for the big thing that's obviously coming. And it's it kind of helps you build your own elements. And that's kind of cool. That gives you a lot of control. Yeah. The complexity of the suits and the, and the different card types also allow you as a designer to to be able to make them do a lot more than just, you know, oh, you're going to be within this range of numbers, you know, mm-hmm. you can have things stand in for different things and, and take advantage of some of the like pairs versus, you know, full house and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. so you're going for the, you are going for the classic B movie or are you going for the more contemporary B movie? Cause it, you did say Schwarzenegger's on the bills. Yeah. So it, I mean, it, it's, it's open to whoever wants to run it to do what they want. The movies that have been out since the first edition that I'm kind of reworking, uh, go from everything from like, there was a, like a seventies kind of TNA esque mm-hmm. uh, horror movie that was called, uh, an American werewolf in what was it uh, Milan not Milan uh, Milan wow. uh, which is werewolf spelled like you wear the the wolf fur you know uh yeah it's, it's got this whole fashion model thing going on that turned into werewolves but anyhow so we got that we got uh the trapped in the gas mines of Uranus is is more like going back to 40s and 50s sci-fi with bubble helmets and stuff oh, yeah, to you know more modern ones like Predicator 1 which is meant to be like a mashup of Terminator and Predator from the <laughs> 80s. So it, you can go anywhere with it. The book's not really designed to pin you into one or, or any particular era of B-movies. Cool. Let's take a quick pod break, and we'll be right back talking with Lou Lou about Movies Till Dawn. Hey everyone, this is Tim from Tomorrow Zen Podcast. If you're interested in post-apocalyptic moral project, then Tomorrow Zen Podcast is for you. You can hear us at tomorrowzen.org or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, and more. Today, Meredith Chase will be preparing a simple Italian-style dinner. She begins by dicing three fresh tomatoes and the top left part of her knuckle. Bleeding profusely, she then begins to chop two large onions, causing tears to stream from her eyes. She then places the ingredients in a shallow pan and leaves them to simmer and spatter hot grease onto forearms and countertops. Next, she adds one cup of red wine to the pan, bumps into the sink, and adds two cups of red wine to the floor. Barely able to see, she grabs the cat and, using a circular motion, begins to mop up the spilled wine. Behind her, the unattended pan burns everything to a crisp before setting off the smoke alarm and alerting the authorities. She then grabs her car keys, packs up the family, drives six blocks, and pulls into Elmer's restaurant. She is seated promptly, orders the halibut parmesan, and watches the fire trucks go by. Elmer's. Breakfast. Lunch. Dinner. And we're back. Only to round out the show and to add a little more randomness to it, I've Do written it. up a couple questions just to kind of see what your opinion is, and it's really nothing big. <laughs> Did you, I'm presuming you've seen The Last Unicorn or read the book. Neither to my discredit, uh, wow. I guess. I, I, I've, I've seen the poster for the movie The Last Unicorn, and I kind of remember what it was about, about the, the witch trying to get the horn, right? Yeah, basically. 
Well, so the start of it is, but yeah. Seeing the Black Cauldron, that's that's kind of on no, par, it's just right? surprising. The bla- last you you just lost points with Liz right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't use that question. <laughs> oh man. Okay, no, no. Uh, Secret of Nim. You've seen or oh, yeah. read Secret of Nim? Uh, Miss Briggs, the rats of uh, what is it? Miss Briggsby's rats. Or I've read yeah. read the book and seen the movie. Don Bluth is one of my all time favorite artists ever, ever, ever. I've lost so much money to Dragon's Lair and Space Ace. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Oh no, totally, totally great. And I'm, I'm mostly referencing the film because in the in the book it's a little different. But yeah. in the in the movie, uh, would you say that the rats are <laughs> magical or telekinetic? Because they were experimented on by Ooh. by a science lab, and yet for some reason they yeah. have these like magical charms and they glowing eyes, and there's definitely like something otherworldly to a certain suspect. But do you think they were yeah. experimented to the point that they're like using alien DNA on them, or who knows what, or or were they magical? I mean, obviously they what were smart. Was in the lab, at <laughs> we know they were smart. Yeah. So yeah, um, I. I, I guess I've always thought that they were cartoons in a cartoon movie that was fun to watch. Uh, so what does it matter? <laughs> now no. I'm ruining oh. it. Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> in, in the book, I feel like it, it leans more towards the idea that they were given, you know, heightened intelligence and, and you know some some sort of cognitive, uh, pre, maybe precognitive even abilities. Definitely, the movie leans towards magic, uh, and I think you know. That's a, a total Don Blue thing. I mean, he, he loves oh, magic yeah. in his films to get the all the little glittery animations and all that with the spells and whatnot. So, oh no, and it looked awesome. Honestly, I was scared to death of the Great Owl, and oh yeah, he didn't have what anything going on other than scene. being really scary. I, I, I can still hear that the sound of the crunching of bones when he, uh, <laughs> he like eats that thing just before she comes in or whatever. Yeah, spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it in the last forty years, <laughs> it's scary at the first ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> And, yes, and this is. is a kids movie. This is this goes back to kids in our day. And, and keep in mind that like Watership Down, the movie like came out a couple years before that, so we were all <sighs> broken in by then. You know, oh yeah, bloody rabbits being ran over by tractors and stuff. Ah, we already saw that crap. You know. <laughs> okay, uh, here's another another '80s movie thing to go on, just because I was kind of on an '80s kick and just thinking about <laughs> weird movies. The movie Crawl. Have you oh, do, yeah. have you seen? Them? Okay, good, good, good. Do you remember? The Witch of the Web, or the Widow of the Web, I think is what she was called, was known by the older guy uh, who was trying to teach, um, well, the young hero, in which I can't think of his name right now. I can't either. Doesn't matter. It was awesome. (laughs) You don't need names. But did you ever get the impression that that older guy was supposed to be the hero of the show? At one point, and then, like, obviously, that love didn't happen, or that was something that changed, and Man, like it's a cyclic system. Because I, I, I definitely got the impression that they had this previous romance, and obviously, it was there. It was great, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, he sacrifices himself to save everybody, and it's, it's so cool. Uh, and if you have not seen Crawls, big spoiler: go watch it because you're <laughs> foolish. <laughs> There, I was kind of, I kind of get the same thing with uh, the Matrix, actually, more contemporary, well, twenty-year-old contemporary movie. When they did the sequel, they kept talking about, oh, this, this just happens over and over again. Somebody rises up and somebody goes back. I was like, it would be interesting if it was always Neo and it was always him going back and resetting the Matrix and then doing it again. But that's, yeah. that's more my own like head thought of. I think it's 
maybe that. Yeah, you know, I like I said, man, I got to rewatch that now. I never really thought about that perspective, but but yeah, maybe so. Uh, crawl, crawl is totally cool. I mean, just the I I, I love the, the 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 Cyclops and the idea of this character that knows how they're going to die. Yeah, and uh, just that idea, like, oh no, this isn't it. I can I can do what I want to here because this isn't it. You know, another one that's kind of in the same same vein, Agra. From the Dark Crystal. Oh, yes. Do you ever get the sensation that she's the one that actually somehow triggered the events that caused the split in the Dark Crystal and is guilty about it? She knows more than she's leading on, for sure, right? She's got the sage (laughs) thing. They had the, uh, it was like a mini-series of it. Did you watch that? I think it was on Amazon, maybe? Yeah. Uh, I watched watched a couple episodes and I was like, well, this is different. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't make it that far before i said that but yeah i i just i, I really like the old one uh, it was again one of these movies i, I saw in the theater as, as a young man and uh just uh, was solely taken away we used to we used to play this game of tag and we, we called it the googly monsters but i uh, the uh the beetle creatures um what are they called gartham they called? the yes. gartham gartham uh, We'd go around pretending we were one of those, and it was just a normal, normal game of tag. I don't know why we thought it was so special, but we, we, the tagger had to like go around waving their arms and going click, 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 click. You know, <laughs> that was that was a good one. You, you know, she does seem like this. Uh, you know, like she's got a, 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 a CD past something hidden there that uh, I could have could have believed that she was at fault there. I don't know. She just seems she seems to know a lot. So it was more of a. It just kind of stuck in my head. It's one of those like, do you think that's what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> i didn't really touch on any b movies just the ones that were like classics in the 80s that you're like oh yeah i think about that mm. <laughs> i still kind of wonder like why didn't anybody go chase after in the in the goonies why didn't anybody chase after the boat it's like hey there's this big treasure <laughs> on that boat and oh, it's well, slowly drifting away uh geez we got motors how about we <laughs> <laughs> we got speed boats we got helicopters <laughs> pretty sure we can find that sucker real fast <laughs> just funny and they and you you know they cut out the uh, octopus in that right yeah yeah we <laughs> uh, like... that that's a movie I didn't see in the theaters uh, we were on this the one family vacation we ever took in my entire life my father had to get some training for the factory he worked at and we had to go down to Texas not had to we we got to <laughs> we were lucky enough to <laughs> uh, and uh, so it, it was right at the time that movie came out and we were traveling and we just never got to it back in the eighties like every movie had like a little magazine that would come out every, every big movie. Oh, had yeah. A little magazine that would come out that would tell the story. And uh, so we had that. We bought that at one of the gas stations. My brother did. We'd go through that just, you know, every night, thumb through it, look at the pictures. And in that one, it showed the octopus. It had that scene in that in that little book. <laughs> and so when we, we did get to rent it on VHS, uh, like a year later. Where did it go? <laughs> <laughs> that was my, I was looking so forward to that. That was like the coolest part. Man, that is that is a nostalgia flashback because I do remember those little magazines they'd put out. It was always, I would go flip through them and flip through them. It was like the <laughs> easiest rerun you could have. That and the, um, oh, is it the Playtime? The ones that had the quick story version with a chime. Oh, like, yeah. To turn the page. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called. The page, yeah, on the records. Yeah. The oh, yeah. ching. Like, oh, next thing. What's Luke going to do now? I bet he's going <laughs> to fight Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just kind of true. People people always complain to me because they're like, go ahead and tell me the story. I won't be upset. It's like sometimes knowing the story at the end makes you feel better because you know it's coming. Mm-hmm. And you can watch Star Wars over and over and over again and never be upset. Yeah. Mm, yeah the, the kiss in Empire Strikes Back. Beyond that, <laughs> never be upset. <laughs> Only because you know. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's so cringy. Uh, well, anyway, um, 
I have kept you on way, way, way longer than I intended to. That's been my pleasure. It's fun hanging with you, man. No, this has been so much fun. And I'm really sorry that nobody else was here for it. Uh, well, actually, Mike put in an effort, but it is his belated birthday. And Liz, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's been grading papers and, and you can definitely relate to that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm lucky because, I mean, you know, at the collegiate level, uh, oh, my goodness. You know, if I, if I assign a couple paragraphs, it's pulling teeth to have to grade that. But, uh, you know, multiple pages, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> oh yeah everything's an essay in college though. Yeah. especially in history <laughs> who would be a history teacher though that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> you got to do something other than coach football you know but yeah liz is uh taking care of him it's, it's his belated birthday weekend so that's why he's getting the special liz cooked meal and if you've ever had a special liz cooked meal you know you're gonna sit there and wait for it <laughs> and uh jim of course is off working and getting ready for the con coming up and he has a kickstarter out for scientific barbarian number five yeah. i don't know if anybody is a fan of uh, the scientific barbarian but it is a great series i totally recommend you go out and pick up a copy or all the copies uh and you know jim's a great guy so you're, yeah. you're not going to be disappointed well, and i heard he got some really hot new writer to do an adventure in that so did he you know you have to check that out <laughs> i think i think i might know who did it <laughs> I'm, I, I, all i see is the cover art and like i'm already sold you did you just had to tell me you're ready i yeah I, i'm already in the kickstarter so yeah if you get a chance try to pick it up if you can't pick it up there in the kickstarter look for it as a backlog Mud issue puppies, he keeps them yeah. on his, on his web page my puppy games Lou Alu, thanks for being on. Anytime. Thank you for having me, Corbin. Actually, we'll be probably be having you back on pretty soon, I bet, to let you rebuttal our terrible, terrible, terrible review of your game. Yeah, it's got flaws. I fully expect you guys to be honest to your listeners. It's got some flaws, but uh, pl- playing it's a thing. I, I got to get you guys in a game of it somewhere, somehow. because it... I, I can fully tell you I am going to thoroughly look over the cost of ladders in your book. <laughs> so you can oh, you expect know, I, it. I, it's got an extensive <laughs> equipment list. I don't know if I put ladders ladders in there dang. <laughs> dang 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 every kid's gonna have a ladder come on man <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay and we're out <laughs> the safer half podcast is a production of the mud puppy games network and the Gagman podcast the safer half theme music is provided by the band mississippi bones you can find them at mississippibones.bandcamp.com all player characters mentioned in this podcast are fictional, and any resemblance to PCs living or dead is purely coincidental. No NPCs were armed in the making of this podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Save for Half. I'm more than 20, like a